Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer. As always, I'm joined by Max Carlin. Max, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well. And we have a special guest today. Our guest is Ross Homan of the Stepian. Ross, how's it going? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Before we go any further, the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that person to help grow your business, LinkedIn Jobs will match the right talent with your open role fast. Of course. So we have lamented about the quality of the 2020 NBA Draft Podcast plenty in the first three episodes of this of this podcast. So we're going to pivot a little bit and talk about the 2021 draft class as Max and I have been binging their games aggressively, and Ross is very knowledgeable about the 2021 class. So, Max, tell us a little about this class that's just so much more inspiring than the current one. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really nice departure from 2020 and 2019. Um, it's just stacked with guys who have legitimate ceilings that that matter for uh, like the the fortunes of a franchise. Um, and so whether that's the guy who who I think we all have as the clear best player in the class in Cade Cunningham, or if it's, um, you know, guys in that next group, BJ Boston, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kuminga, once he he's expected to to reclassify, um, you know, it, it's just littered with these guys that have really interesting high end outcomes. Um, so, I mean, should we should we start with talking about Cade Cunningham? I mean, for people who don't know, Cade is a. Six seven uh, lead initiator who is going to Oklahoma State, um, just like an utterly dominant basketball player. He is good at literally everything. Um, he's like a high level rim protector and a a like ingenious passer and uh, like one of the more dominant finishers you'll see at this level. And he has beautiful mechanics on his jumper and elite touch and is an incredibly strong. Um, He's just an intensely dominant player, uh, and I think we'd all be pretty stunned if he if he doesn't wind up being the number one overall pick. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I the first time I like super took notice from Cade when I think it was like midway through uh, last year, so it was junior year when he like just completely dominated Cole Anthony in like a one on one matchup basically, and uh, since then he's just kind of like blowing up and becoming most people's like clear-cut number one there's some that like Jalen Green a little more but that's like a pretty small minority of people 
Yeah, I remember last summer when you when you were starting to dive into into these 2021 guys and you you were like this kid Cade Cunningham he is the next thing uh, and at that point you know people I think still probably the consensus was very in on Evan Mobley who I think mo- most recruiting services still have as the number one guy but uh like draft evaluators have certainly moved off of but um yeah I remember you pointing out yeah this guy is a he is a six seven point guard and he is dunking on everyone and is, and is like has beautiful mechanics and is just like this ridiculous ridiculous prospect um and I mean he's certainly lived up to that I guess it's like a little disappointing that he's on such a stacked uh Montverde team and just like doesn't have to like do all that much but uh he's he is a remarkable player yeah if you want Cade dominance, I mean, just go back and watch his EYBL tape from last summer. I mean, he he did absolutely everything, and he destroyed teams. I watched last night a game of him versus Pro Skills, and Cade's team was up twenty four to two in six minutes. And I mean, <laughs> Cade's, Cade's team had Greg Brown, who's another prospect we'll talk about later. But there's there's no other real like high level prospects on that team. It's just Cade being better than everybody. I mean, he's bigger than everyone. He he can pat he he passes better than everyone. He protects the rim like a monster. I mean, he had he had this play where he split the double team. He split a double team and he had a huge dunk off one foot. And, and he's a pretty good athlete. He's actually a, quite a good athlete, despite I mean maybe getting billed as a lesser one. But he's he's a very good athlete in the open floor in the half court. I and mean, he's so good. He's how would you guys compare him to guys? to prospects like Zion and Luca and that tier. Where is he on the spectrum of them to, like, the tier below? Um, so I think he's in that tier at this age. Obviously, I think you can make a strong argument that Luca and Zion, at least Zion so far, have looked maybe even better than they were originally supposed to. So it's kind of hard to put into context with that. But I do think when they were all three at this age, Kate is right there with them. Yeah, I think I agree with that also. I like I I have a hard time thinking that he could be as good a prospect as Zion by the time that we get to the draft. That seems really unlikely. But uh I like Luca caliber as a prospect to be very clear as a prospect like Luca's hit an extraordinarily high-end outcome and I do I no longer think Cade will be as good as as Luca, but Luca as a prospect I think Cade is probably pretty comparable to that. Um I think it's it's like Ben mentioned with um with his AAU team and EYBL, he played with Greg Brown and, but was just, I mean, he was dominant when he went up against, I mean, everyone, but, but Jonathan Kuminga. And when, when they played head to head in EYBL, Kuminga dropped 43 and was pretty ridiculous. Uh, but Cade also with the FIBA, um, what was it? You, what you, United. What, uh, 19. Yeah. He was yeah. the the clear lead guy playing alongside Jalen Green uh, I like Mobley was technically on the team, but like didn't really play. But but I mean the the point is that when Cade was alongside all of the other like best players in the country, he was he was the clear uh, number one guy. Um, so I, I mean I I think we we all agree that he he is the standout guy uh, in this class, even though it's otherwise a very strong class. Yeah, and sh- should mention that Cade is going to be at Oklahoma State next year, barring any unfortunate cancellations but yeah i mean we're excited to see him in that conference so and it's not just k this is an incredibly good draft at the top with lots of guys that could have really really high high end outcomes so who else who else is there at this point um i mean um, i guess i i, I ross you want to go ahead 
No, I was just going to talk about how if you want to dive into Boston since I know you've been watching yeah, a lot I, of him recently. That's what I was going to suggest that we do. So, I mean, for me at least, BJ Boston, like a 6'6 uh, guard wing uh, playing for Sierra Canyon um, in high school. And then, um, oh, what's his? I don't know. He's a, he played for some AAU team. AOT. AOT, that's yeah. right. The uh, the um, Sharif Cooper team. Um uh, so he is a, a like really special space creator on the ball. Uh, has just like a ridiculous handle, unbelievably controlled, unbelievably deceptive. Like I, like for a guy that size, I I don't like I cannot think of anyone that has a better handle. And I think on top of that, it's not just the handle, but his other space creation ability. Like he he'll do like a hardened double step back. Um, he has like awesome footwork. And then on top of that, he has really spectacular touch pretty mechanics on his jumper. It, it hasn't always gotten in, but I do think that it's improved um, over the year plus that I've now seen him um, because I remember like watching him with the Okoro Sharif Cooper AOT team. I think it, his jumper was like a little more elongated and looping and uh, it just felt a bit slower, but uh, I think, I think it's, it's better mechanically now and his touch is so good that I totally buy that. Um, and then on top of that, he's like, really skilled as a driver, like will get low and he's very skinny. And that's sort of the main criticism of him. But despite that, he plays incredibly physically. Uh, he, I, Ross, you might have the numbers on this because I know you, you track this like, uh, like no one else, but his free throw rate in EYBL, EYBL was otherworldly, uh, despite being like really, uh, rail thin. Um, and I think that you may, there's, it's fair to raise concerns, about uh that level of finishing and aggression translating but i do think it's really hard to teach a mindset like that and bj showing it at despite his his physical limitations are pretty interesting and then otherwise like he flashes literally everything you want to see from a prospect a high level rim protection high level perimeter defense he's he's i mean he's really long he like blocks jumpers all the time and and guys are pretty startled by just his length uh he's a, he's a his decision making i think is up and down but uh, definitely flashes some pretty high-level passing. Um, and uh, even, like, open-court athleticism, he's, he's really impressive as a leaper. Like, he'll, he'll have some really ridiculous in-game dunks. Um, and I think that, especially with added strength, there's a chance that, he's, that he can unlock some more functional athleticism. So I'm, I'm all the way in on BJ Boston. I've got him pretty firmly as my number two guy in the class, which I, I think is a bit of a hot take at this point. But I think that we're probably going to be trending toward most people having him in the top five at least. Yeah, he um he had a four point four eight free throw rate. By the way, to comparison, like Cade was at like a point five one, so basically the same amount as Cade, which is really <laughs> impressive. Um, but I I do agree with the shot was like the big thing. I think a lot of it has become just getting stronger rather than because I mean like a year and a, like he's skinny now, but like a year and a half mm-hmm. ago he was just incredibly weak so I think that's had a lot to do with the uh extended range on the shot and the thing too like he was kind of billed as like an open court athlete playing on like those AU AOT teams with Sharif obviously who likes to run and like a defensive player first so just the half court offensive game has taken like huge strides in the last year which is really really impressive yeah and I I I really like him in the half court that's one of the reasons that I um, I think I prefer him to a bunch of the other guys in the running for 
for that number two spot because someone like Jalen Johnson, who who maybe we'll talk about in more depth later, uh, I, I don't trust him to generate half-court offense with his shooting woes. Um, or like Zaire Williams is, is a totally ridiculous shot maker with crazy touch um, at, I don't know, what is he, like 6'9"? Um, but it doesn't, doesn't really have the burst or handle like that. So I think BJ flashes literally everything that you could possibly want in a sort of wing creator type. Uh, and to me, that's the, that's the most attractive gamble uh, among these guys. I mean, do, do, do either of you like want to offer some dissent on that? Like, is there a guy that you think has, has a really good case to be over BJ? Uh, I mean, I think if Kaminga ends up reclassifying, okay. I think obviously he has a very strong case just because also you look at, he's almost like a full year younger than Boston, mm-hmm. which, you know, is a big deal. And then um, I, I still personally have Springer in that running, but mm-hmm. I think those three are the two through four for me. Yeah. I, I Kuminga is really impressive. And like you said, insanely young, just an enormous human being, um, like really, really built at 17 years old. Uh, and what like six seven six eight um and and what we've what we've been alluding to with him possibly reclassifying is that as of right now uh Kuminga is in the high school class of 2021 but he's widely expected to reclassify um and yeah he's he he flashes like at a ridiculous level as a shot maker like I mentioned dropped 43 on on Cade's uh Texas Titans AAU team um he like doesn't have great touch, I don't think, but he's a powerful and explosive athlete. I think surprisingly uh, intelligent, like capable passer. Uh, defensively, he doesn't really try, but when he does, uh, he can have really impressive moments. Like there was a, a few a few possessions that he was engaged on um, in that Texas Titans game. He would like beat Cade to a spot and then like poke his handle loose. And that's not something you, like you don't see Cade Cunningham flustered very often playing at this level and Kuminga when he tried was able to do that to him um and I mean that that comes together with like I said like pretty high level shot making upside so I I definitely see see a case for Kuminga I I think he's not he's not the space creator that BJ is and and uh the touch concerns me a little bit because well he was like a sub 50 percent free throw guy uh in in um EYBL if I remember correctly and not not like good percentages on threes either and he just I mean he likes to take bad shots and and like I said doesn't really try that much on defense but uh like without a doubt a, a really really high level prospect and rumors are he uh if he does reclass he would go to Texas Tech which I'm really interested to see how Chris Beard does with his defense because like Max said he doesn't really try for most of the game but when he does try there's some pretty interesting flashes. I mean, he's pretty clunky as a mover, and like you said, the effort is low. But if he can get in that Texas Tech system and really get zoned in on defense, he could be a really dangerous prospect because he is just an enormous human being. I mean, and I mean, although he likes bad shots, I mean, a lot of guys at his age do. I mean, he's he's 17 years old. He's so, he's so, so young, and he flashes enough as a passer. Just like He seems like a pretty smart player in general. Like I think he's probably fairly intelligent. So he's just a guy with age you hope he brings in, and a guy whose physical tools and his shot making at his age are just super, super rare. And guys like that are guys you want to swing on at the top of the draft, guys who really have that like initiator upside. Um, 
and in different ways. Like, like this is a really, really cool thing about this class is that there's lots of guys this initiator upside, but in different, different avenues. There, I mean, we have guys like BJ with the crazy space creation, guys like Kaminga with just overwhelming strength and and um and shot making. You know, so there's lots of these different guys. Yeah, I'm, the other name that that Ross threw out is uh, Jaden Springer, uh, combo guard initiator uh, headed to Tennessee next year. Um, who I think Ben, you and I are a bit lower on, but Ross, you're you're like the foremost Jaden Springer fan in the world. Do you want it? Do you want to give the the Springer spiel and and make your case for him as as like a top two or three guy? Yeah. So um, until. At least until Camilla reclassifies Springer as the youngest player in the class, he mm-hmm. doesn't turn 18 until September, I think, like late September. He's um, crazy young. Yeah, yeah, he's very young. Uh, there's some issues with just general like quickness and ball handling. He'll need to improve those, but he's ex- he's about six five ish in shoes, extremely strong, like built like a truck. Um, in my opinion, probably the best point of attack defender in the class. And one of the best, just like overall defenders in the class, the shot has continued to improve. I think the main thing that I kind of stick on is like down the stretch of like Geico national tournament last year on a loaded IMG team, he was consistently the go-to guy and consistently the best player on the team with like, you know, Josh Green, Jeremiah or Robinson, Baycott, like a team with really good players. And he just took over so many games during that stretch. And I just think he kind of has like that, work ethic and that upside that is just kind of like hard to bet on to a certain extent, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But just like coupled with like what he's shown the past year. Or so his touch overall IQ defensively and then the age, I just think there's a bit of underrated upside with him. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the, the point of attack defense and it really is like outlier good. I think we're, we're probably generally like a group that doesn't value point of attack defense that highly unless you're outlier good in it and like Springer most certainly is he like I said you don't see Cade flustered very often but uh I think it was at the um the city of Palms I think I think it was that game that he really gave Cade some trouble like made him look really uncomfortable and the same thing at city of Palms against AJ Griffin one of the best players in high school basketball uh six seven super strong sharp shooting wing uh like Springer I think blocked his jumper at one point like he was giving him all sorts of trouble and you just like you don't see guys like Cade Cunningham and and AJ Griffin flustered that often and Springer as a like legitimate as a guard was was doing that to them uh so that was that was pretty wild to see but um I mean getting to the to the guard aspect of it how do you feel about Springer's playmaking um so the handle is the handle is my main qualm with him um, I think it has improved, but it definitely has further to go. But I do think he's he's not like a – obviously like a K-level pass or anything like that, but I think he consistently makes the right reads. He's kind of in a tough spot this year just because the IMG team has like zero other decision makers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think I'd want to see him with another – like lead capable guard kind of, but I, I think that he's capable of like running a team. Yeah, like I the vision concerns me a little bit. I've just seen some passes from him where where he really he like won't see a help defender coming that he probably should and will throw a pass anyway and it, it's it's a turnover. 
Uh, I don't I don't think he's like a high level passer, which is why I'm I'm a bit lower on him than you. I, I do think he's he's definitely underrated in the mainstream. Um, and then the handle, yeah, like it can be uh, disturbed sometimes, but he also does flash like pretty impressive moves, especially with um, like screen manipulation. He loves to do a, like a behind the back to reject the screen and then get into the defense. He, he, I, one of the games I watched recently, he had like a really nice spin away from a screen to reject it. So he, I mean, he does flash in that department, creating um, space and, and um, compromising the defense for himself. I'm just, uh, I'm not entirely, I don't entirely trust him to, to capitalize on that, um, which is uh, pr- like a pretty big problem for a guy that size in my eyes. Which is why I, I can't get to him quite at the um at the level you can. Yeah, and like we alluded to before, I mean he's crazy strong. I mean he he's very much a power guard at this point. I mean, he drives through guys and he gets to the line like quite a bit. I mean in the EYBL game, uh, or not EYBL, excuse me, um, uh, the Under Armour game I watched the other day. Um, he played in. I mean he kind of played with like a big at times. Like he'd initiate from the post and like in the elbow or at the elbow, and he just kind of overwhelmed guys. And though he's not super quick, he's a pretty good leaper. I mean, he had, a, like, a one or two nice dunks in the open floor. He gets up quick to finish. But, I mean, I'm, like, a similar with Max. I mean, at, at least at the top of the draft, in a draft that has quite a few pretty good initiator gambles, it's kind of hard for me to be that high on him when I'm a little lower on the passing and the handle and how good of a – a primary guy he can really be but nonetheless he is a super intriguing prospect and one that we're excited to see at Tennessee next year and another Tennessee guy that Ross is super high on you know is Keon Johnson who um played Adidas uh and he's Tennessee guy so Ross I know you're the the also the foremost Keon Johnson guy so why don't you um, tell us about Keon Johnson yeah, um, I really, really enjoy watching Keon play. He missed all but, I think, four um, games of his senior year, which was unfortunate. But he was just on a really impressive growth curve from junior year to this year. He he showed a lot more uh, handle ability in summer, and then that kind of just kept improving to the few high school games he played. And then throughout, like, USA tryouts, he was really impressive. Um, he's also one of the younger guys in the class. I think he's a – April, maybe. I think around April um, 2002. So, obviously doesn't turn 19 until almost, like, right before the draft. Um, but he's he's also, like, he's almost the exact definition of a perfect athlete. Extremely quick. Uh, one of the better leapers I've seen in, like, a – like, he's basically, like, Wiggins-esque leaping. Like, it's incredibly impressive. Um, extremely, extremely balanced, like, with handle and whatnot. He just needs – decision-making and skill continue needs to improve. But the jump shot, I'm starting to believe in more than that. It's last year. Uh, the free throw percentage has consistently been rising. His touch seems to be there. It's not, like, spectacular, but I think it's good enough. Um, and I just think that, like, upside-wise, coupled on the athleticism and the growth curve he's been on, it's just pretty hard to deny. Yeah, and it's certainly difficult to argue with those athletic tools. I mean, he's, what, like, six five, six six. um super super athletic i mean he, he he just floats through the air i mean i'll just on dunks um he's pretty good rim protector with those with those um 
that was with that athleticism and he seems like a pretty like 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 i said max and i haven't watched as much keon as ross as much of his older stuff but at least in in the high school games uh, that we can find this season he's his passing seems pretty okay i mean he's not like he has some decision making issues but he makes a couple pick and roll reads kickouts you know a couple extra passes and at this level i mean at least the high school level it can be a little hard because he's just so athletically dominant that often just going through guys is the best decision for him because it just works so definitely interested to see to see how he looks at at Tennessee um in the SEC against better competition but yeah I'm I know Max and I aren't as in on him but he's quite quite interesting yeah I mean I I I, you can go ahead Ross sorry I was just gonna quickly add um like from like Adidas wise he was basically making just like ball movement type reads in high school it did look like 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 you said, he's not an advanced pass by any means, but he's starting to see reads quicker, which is a big deal to me just because somebody with that athleticism and that kind of like rim gravity on slashing, if he just quickly sees basic reads, it's going to mean a lot. Yeah, I worry about him as a field guy. Like he just seems to, to like dribble himself into bad spots on the court and just like get himself into trouble at times. But uh, he he also does seem like aware of his his gravity with the ball because he's just such an explosive athlete that like he can really pull the defense in and then uh, and kick out to guys and um, and I think that like seeing a development arc for guys is really important and Ross is obviously way better versed on that than we are um, so that that's really encouraging uh, like as a as like a combo sized guy with decision making concerns and the shot um, the shot. Uh, like Ross said, I think there are a lot of reasons for optimism. Like he'll, he'll take like take and make like tough movement attempts and pull up attempts. And I think like generally it looks pretty good, but then he'll also have some really bad misses and the touches like come and go. I think for the most part, it's, it's fine, but definitely not like he's not Jaden Springer, for example. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I can't quite get up to the highest of levels with him. But there's no denying that, I mean, he has some serious outcomes on account of skill improvement and just, like, really, really outrageous athleticism. I will um, um, add to with what you talked about in the field department. He did have disappointing stock numbers in the AU, so that's definitely, like, my main drawback with him as well. Like, I, as, as come and go as the shot comes, um, it is the field department, which – has me from not nah, just saying screw it and putting him number two. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but that, that's, I, yeah I, I do agree it's a concern. That's pretty concerning for a guy who's as like nutty athletically as him. Um, if if um you know the the if we're gonna switch to another guy now the like initiator the like the guard sized initiator that I definitely like I think Ben isn't on this too but Ross is is not is Jalen Suggs uh six four point guard who's committed to Gonzaga I think there are some rumors that he might end up going overseas but uh as of right now slated to go to Gonzaga he is he's so good at everything uh kind of similar to Springer and that he's like a pretty powerful guard he'll, he'll like play out of the post sometimes really strong great touch like he's kind of fascinating that uh back at again I forget which which age group of FIBA but FIBA like a year ago um he like couldn't really shoot. He was just kind of like hard nosed defender, um, and then he he comes back and and during his senior year, uh, he is just like 
an outrageous shooter now. Um, like tough off the dribble attempts, tough movement attempts, like really pretty mechanics. He's just he's a great shooter at this point, and he is incredibly anticipatory and smart. Um, I I know he when um when his high school Minnehaha played Sierra Canyon uh televised on espn he had put up a dominant performance i mean if you can find that game somewhere watch it it's absurd uh but he i mean he like jumps passes from from the weak side uh he in in the game that i was watching the other day against um i think it was like st louis park boys he had this play where he was inbounding from the baseline he throws a no look pass into traffic that's on the money the guy misses the shot and he sees all this happening and comes from the baseline and has a one-handed put back in traffic, just like a nutty display of, of um, anticipation and freakish athleticism. Uh, I think he's like a pretty awesome passer. Uh, he'll like probe into the defense and kick out at like, like pretty hard to see passes. Um, the, the one major concern, uh, I guess two major concerns. The first would be age. He's he's like 15 months older than Springer, I think. Uh, and then the other would be handle. It's just like pretty loose and not all that deceptive. But otherwise, I mean, I think, oh, and I didn't even mention defense really. Like he he definitely, again, not Springer at the point of, the t- of attack, but I think quite good. Um, he's like, I think everything you want in a lead guard, except for the handle, which is a pretty huge limitation. But I mean, he's so good. Yeah, and yeah, I like um, the, oh, Ross. You can go. No, sorry. Go ahead, Ben. Yes, yeah, so I was gonna say like that handle is definitely the issue with him, and I know that's Ross's issue projecting him as a lead guard. But I mean, like like you said, if the shooting can really be good enough, I mean, we've seen it improve so much in the past like two two years, and like we talked about with Keon with development curves. I mean, if this shooting can keep improving, I mean. We don't know what shooting could hit. And even though his handle's not great, I mean, I think he can still get to the rim. Like, he, he's super powerful as a driver as well, really strong. Just has fantastic touch with, with both hands. And even if he can't be can't be um, um, a lead guard, which Datafine has the upside to be, I think he has a pretty strong median and floor as this, like, secondary 3 and D combo guard type, which isn't what you want at the top of the draft. But for a guy who you're drafting with, with um who's supposed to have that lead guard upside having that median outcome as if he doesn't hit this lead guard upside he's still probably going to be a damn good nba player as this this three and d guard who's who's going to be able to create a little bit as a secondary or tertiary guy and play awesome defense so he doesn't look a really strong bet to me in t- inside the top five but i know ross doesn't exactly feel that same way so ross don't you yeah i mean i still like sucks i'm top like right around top 10 ish um but I, I just, like we talked about, I worry about the handle. Um, and I, I don't really project him to have lead guard upside, but I do think that he'll be really good. Um, I want to see kind of what the shot level's out at. If he is truly like an elite elite shooter, then I'll probably be a little higher. But I'm thinking he's poor, more probably just like a really good shooter. Um, my, my main drawback with him is the games that I've seen him go against other high-level athletic guards, he's – really struggled as on ball creator um i know like the uaa game against uh springer i think he went like two for five with like four turnovers and like one assist maybe like springer just absolutely dominated him um but he played really well against sierra canyon who obviously doesn't have the best guards to handle him but it's still like a good athletic team and he 
obviously was really good against them. And overall, just like his UAA numbers were absolutely dominant. I was really only able to catch two of those games, and one was against Springer. So obviously, I may just be undervaluing what he did last summer. Um, but I, I do still really like him. I just think it's more as a off-ball, like high, high, high-level role player type ceiling. Yeah, I mean, even even as a huge Suggs fan, I think those are really fair criticisms. Uh, like, the, I think his his specific weaknesses, like not necessarily being that bursty and the handle uh, being like really susceptible to pressure or whatever, it is something that you're going to see show up more against better competition. It's why I've been I've tried to find uh, as many games as I can of him uh, against high level competition, but uh, I mean, it can sometimes be hard. Um, nonetheless, I, I think what, what Ben mentioned is, is an important point that not just do I, I think he has that initiator upside, but even if he doesn't hit that, he is still an intensely valuable player. Um, so I, Ben and I think both have him as a top five guy at the moment. Um, but I, I think it's definitely a reasonable position to, to buy him, to, to not buy him quite that highly, especially with so many guys who like it can be argued have these um high level outcomes uh should should we talk about more of these guys who who are on the high end or should we get to um some of these guys who have proven to be really really good players who maybe in the 2020 draft class would have an argument at the at the very top but kind of because there are so many of these guys with with meaningful ceilings uh have to be relegated down a little bit lower or or should we do you guys want to talk a little bit about like Jalen Johnson Zaire Williams, uh, any Jalen Green, yeah. any of those guys? Yeah, I was gonna say I, I was gonna say the one guy I feel like we should talk about is Jalen Green, who is kind of the consensus darling at this point at the top of the draft. As Kate, I mean, he's number one on ESPN top 100, even though that's not strictly draft. But yeah, Jalen Green is the other like initiator type prospect that I think most people really like. I know Max and I are like tentatively kind of fans. I'm not sure about Ross at the moment. I mean, he's he's definitely improved a lot uh, over this last this last year, which is important. But he's just this ridiculous athlete with pretty good handle, like crazy vertical leaper burst, get to the lane, shoots a pretty good pull up shooter. I mean, the issue with him is really just decision making and feel. Just takes a lot of pretty maddening shots. Doesn't make great decisions and defensively, although like at times he flashes some ridiculous like rim protection transition or on the weak side. He can be kind of apathetic, but yeah. So Jalen Green is definitely a guy who's going to be polarizing. So and, yeah, I was uh, on the low end originally. I had him like back end of my top ten. So I think at one point I might have had him just barely out of my top ten. But um, he's he's gotten a lot better. He's made significant strides, just like hitting open people faster. Uh, still is not like he's still a pretty iffy decision maker. Definitely one of the main concerns with him but I think he's starting to see open reads faster just due to his gravity and he's starting to hit those faster which is a big deal um I want to see like I know I've said this about a few guys I want to see where the shot levels out with him just because he's had absolutely ridiculous (laughs) shot making uh performances this high school season he's hit five plus threes in like multiple halves against really good teams and he has like a lot of uh a lot of different ability to shoot the threes like off step backs um just coming off like movement like he's really really impressive shooter so far this year so I want to see where that kind of levels out 
But I do worry about just, like, the strength with him. And I think he's a good ball handler, but he can get pushed off spots really easily just because he's, like, rail thin and he's pretty small, like 6'4"-ish. Um, so there's definitely some concerns with him. I'm, but um, but I, I do think the growth he's shown has been pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm I'm a little skeptical of the because for people who don't know, Jalen Green has he has like a very uh, devout following um, where there are a lot of people who really think that this guy is like an incredibly special player. And I think he's a good prospect. I uh, like I think he's pretty comparable to Anthony Edwards in a lot of positive and negative ways. Um, where he's a really really explosive athlete, like an incredible two foot leaper. Um, really bursty. Uh, I think, like, definitely flashes a much better handle than Edwards. Um, but I honestly, like, I find the decision making to be even, or not necessarily decision making, but vision, where he just like won't see things. Um, and I just like consistently makes pretty maddening decisions, takes awful shots. I mean, like Ben, I mentioned earlier, like all young guys take bad shots, but he takes really bad shots. Um, and so, yeah, like I think that there there are legitimate avenues to Jalen Green being incredibly good, but in a class where where you've got a couple guys who I think have way more avenues to being ridiculously good, uh, I have to drop him down a little bit. I've def I've got him in that like five to ten range. I think uh, don't know exactly where yet. I just I I seem to keep catching bad games of his, um, and just like am yet to be really blown away, but. Uh, I mean, like, they're like smart people are still in on him. Uh, it's not entirely a, a hype thing. Uh, and, and as Ross mentioned, like he does, he does display some pretty, pretty special abilities. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I can't quite get there. Ben, I mean, do you do you feel similarly? Yeah, I mean, it's just talking about upside. I mean, these his upside. I feel like his upside just isn't the same as a guy like BJ Boston or a guy like. Even a guy like um yeah like a guy like Boston's the main one, but like he also has quite a bit more downside than a lot of these guys. We we talked about Suggs, even Springer is a guy who whose median outcome seems pretty safely higher. And you're not drafting for medium out median outcome at the top of the draft anyways, but it's definitely something to look at when you're splitting hairs between all of these really really high level prospects. And like you said, J- Jalen Green is a very good prospect. He's not you know the next Michael Jordan like some might have you think, but. He's a, he's he's quite good and like if the shot like I think the shot and just seeing if the decision making can keep improving and that's definitely one reason to have hope for him because I mean at least in UIBL last summer it was just so much worse I mean the passing isn't great at prolific this high school season anyway I mean it's but it's certainly much improved if you if you put on any EYBL game. And then the next game you watch will be a prolific game. You'll be kind of blown away by the improvement, even if the passes he's making at prolific are relatively rudimentary. But like Ross alluded to, the rim gravity he's going to command just with his his ability to, to get downhill, um, it'll make his decision-making windows wider and make it make his decisions easier to make for than a guy who can't. So there's definitely reasons to be to be in on green relative to his, to his development curve. But yeah, just with so many other good prospects this class, he's a guy that I am also going to end up bumping down, I feel like, at the moment. I know that um, Edwards has gotten, like, Levine comps in terms of just, like, will he bring winning value or whatnot? I think Green kind of falls under that category as well. 
Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree with yeah. that. Sh- should we briefly address the other Jalen, Jalen Johnson? Because he's, he's really like a fascinating player. He's a, like 6'8", super strong, like ridiculous open court athlete. Um, and like really incredible passer, like outlier, outlier, good passer at that size, uh, with awesome vision, like awesome creativity. Like there was this, there was one pass in one of the the games I watched recently where he he's in transition and he he changes directions because he, he needs to like pull a couple defenders away from his teammates and then just flicks it behind his back, like perfectly on the money to his streaking teammate. Uh, he's like a, a remarkable passer. But I mean, I I asked Ross this in um in DMs the other day, like is he a meaningfully better shooter than Isaac Okoro was? Um, no, no, but he, I do think like he's willing and able to take more ambitious shots, which is currently good to see. Obviously he needs to start making those, but like he'll take pull-ups. He'll take like shots off like in and out crossovers. Like he can get into a shot a lot better than Okoro can, but Mm -hmm. in terms of actual like production, He's definitely not like a better shooter than core. Yeah, that, it's just I I don't really trust him as a guy who can score in the half court. Uh, like I think he'll always be an incredible transition player. Uh, and I mean, if the pull up does come around, he'll be a superstar. But when there when there are a couple guys who I think have a more cohesive skill set, namely uh, like BJ Kuminga, um, and I think Suggs. I have to bump him down a little bit, but I mean, a guy with, with those, with, with that passing ability at that size is just like something you don't see. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I think it's hard to be too low on him, but I have, I have some pretty healthy skepticism of it all coming together in a sensible way. Yeah. And I think um, just guys with that level of IQ at, at his age, and he's not super young for the class and he, he's kind of a dummy, um, has some off court issues, um, not playing at IMG this year. Um, yeah, I mean, just that's a guy you kind of want to bet on to improve. I mean, yeah, like you said, his, his passing is super special at six nine. I mean, he does some truly Jokic things. Like he'll he'll throw baseball outlets like right on right on the rebound, and definitely like the concern for me, like 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 they alluded to, is thinking about his NBA role. I mean, just not sure if the shot is in there, or how he scores on the ball in the half court. Um, and then off the ball if the spot up's not there. But I think like a guy with his skills and his handle's not like his handle's okay. It's like it's it's not terrible, but it's workable. And his size and his passing, I mean, he can just get the ball over guys. I mean, he doesn't need that much room to to see little creases and find them. So yeah, Jalen Johnson. I mean, a guy with definitely he's he's probably the foremost if he shoots guy in this class at least for me. I mean, which is not like which is. I guess could look you could look at that as a good thing because shooting is obviously quite difficult to develop as we talked about this in our last podcast, but it's certainly a thing that is easy, probably easier to develop than like a fun, than being the level of passer he is or even some handling. So if yeah, if J- Jalen Johnson has a pretty clear avenue to being probably like the second best player in this class. So yeah, Jalen's a guy I could definitely see like arguments for pretty high. So yeah, I uh, I had him like number two throughout. EYBL last year and then I when I went back and rewatched I ended up being lower on him um but I mean he he did have some incredibly like dominant games last summer he's just a freak athletically in terms of like verticality and then he's 
really physical at times. Um, he was a really good rebounder last year. Uh, good, he was a good rim protector at times. But um, I know Max and I talked about it, I think, yesterday. But he has, like, a weird issue with, like, stride length where he really only takes, like, short, choppy steps. So it's kind of hard for him to create advantages in half court. And he ended up going to, like, the post-ups a lot against the better teams last summer. And that was kind of disappointing to see. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the passing is real. It's kind of funny because I think it's probably him, Caden, Scotty, who are the three best passers in this yep. class. And they're no. all like six seven, six eight, six nine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think that's a pretty na- natural transition to the, the – I think two guys that come to mind – for sure. Uh, Ross mentioned Scotty, Scotty Barnes, uh, 6'8", 6'9", enormous human being, incredibly strong, who's headed to Florida State, which I am very excited about uh, because that that is a match made in heaven. But Scotty Barnes is – how many guys as tall as Scotty Barnes in the world are better passers than Scotty Barnes? Like LeBron and Jokic? Like the guy is – Small number. The guy is unbelievable – um, he, it's not just vision. He is highly, highly manipulative. Uh, he uses his eyes to move the defense. He is like a special one of a kind passer at his size. Uh, and like I said, like huge and strong. He, over the last, uh, he's always been a very good defender. I think both team and, and individual, but over the last, uh, or, over, or this, um, this high school season, his senior season, I think has gotten to an even higher level where he like has true wing stopper equity across multiple positions. Um, he, the, the concern with him, I think like Jalen Johnson is scoring in the half court, the shot is a question mark. Uh, and he's not like a bursty athlete by any means, but like a brilliant mind, uh, very skilled in a huge frame. I think I view him definitely as more of like a superstar role player, uh, but I, I think he's going to be like an incredibly good bet to be a very good NBA player. And it's a shame that, that there are so many guys that have like legitimate franchising franchise changing upside in this class, because I, I wish I could have Scotty higher, like in this year's class, he would be much higher. Uh, whereas next year, I think he's like a fringe top 10 guy. Uh, but like a wonderful basketball player and just so, so fun to watch. Yeah, and I think Scotty. I mean, if he lands in the right team context um, in the NBA, he could really have like super, super high level impact. I mean, not even Max didn't even like touch on the team defense that much. He's super special as a team defender too. That same IQ as a passer really translates like making rotations, stunning at the ball, making plays off the ball. I mean, he's just an absolute savant at at his size, and I mean, not like crazy athletic but he can definitely move and and cover ground so just like with with that level of two-way impact and even though like the the real initiator upside probably isn't there um this just being able to add so much value um without usage i mean teams need complementary players and he's probably going to be one of the best ones out there like like max said truly a superstar role player and yeah it, it is a shame that there's so many guys with real high-end outcomes in this in this class because it's just difficult to rank barnes in, in in the tier of guys like like uh like boston and kaminga and green and the Suggs when we just don't think he has that initiator outcome which is really what you're looking for to to change the direction of a franchise but yeah scotty barnes is absolutely fantastic and i i cannot wait to watch him actually destroy teams on defense with uh, Raekwon Gray um, 
looks like the Dev- looks like uh, Patrick Williams and Devin Vassell are probably going to declare, but maybe they don't, and we just get the most incredible defense of all time. So. Oh no! I was just going to say that it's very unfair that he plays on the same Montverde team as Cade Cunningham because <laughs> going against two guys that size, that strength, that pass like that in high school is like <laughs> really just not right. No, it's 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 cheating. Yeah, I I remember watching the um, game versus Dematha and Earl Timberlake, who is going to Miami next year, had like a screen and roll, and he was trying to get. Cade off of him to ISO and Scotty got switched on to him and I'm just like that's so unfair <laughs> um, I will say like with Scotty though like it, it was nice to see him on this Montverde team even though it made them completely unfair because he's really been like the point guard of the last obviously he played with Vernon Carey before that and he was like their basic point guard at mm-hmm. that time and then like AAU played with Isaiah Todd and a few other guys and he was basically the point guard of that team as well and he had like a almost three to one assist turnover ratio in EYBL last year pretty high usage which is like remarkably impressive um so it was nice to see him in a role where like it's more suited to what he's going to do at the next level and it was nice to see him accept that and like and more he was very very into like every single little thing that he was doing during games Uh, let me just quickly add the fact that um some people saw Isaiah Todd and Scotty Barnes play on the same team and decided to rank Isaiah Todd above Scotty Barnes. It's just, yeah, don't have to yeah. comment on that. Um, just, I don't know. Also, like what Max was talking about with like defense, I think it, it was either back-to-back games or the same tournament, but um, he guarded Sharif Cooper. He was basically like stuck on him. They wanted him to guard Sharif Cooper for the whole game, and Sharif is going to Auburn next year, just insanely quick point guard. Mm-hmm. And then either the next game or, like, two games later, his primary guy for a while was Hunter Dickinson, who is about 7'2", 250, going to Michigan next year. So it's just wild to be able to see him truly guard one through five. I think he'll probably struggle against most uh, legit fives and ones at the NBA level, but I do think he's, like, a legit two through four guy and an awesome team defender. Yeah, I don't really buy him on ones, I don't think. Like, uh... I if I remember correctly in that city of palm, palm city of palms game against Montverde, uh, I mean against uh, IMG Springer gave him like a fair amount of trouble. Um, yeah, he did. And yeah, and like I mean, like we've talked about, it, Springer is really really good. Uh, but as far as NBA guards go, Springer's not like outlier good. Um, so I I don't really buy him against ones, and probably like you said, not against fives either. But like a pretty pretty legitimate lockdown guy two through four uh I, I think he'll be he'll be dominant in that regard um how about uh Usman Garuba the the international class next year is certainly not uh as good as this year's uh but Garuba is the the um the cream of the crop there he's a six eight six nine forward center playing for Real Madrid he um he's like bouncy strong well-built mobile uh i think broke luca's record as the youngest starter in real madrid history uh really really intelligent defensive player uh like has some passing feel but not like a hyper skilled offensive player the criticism that a lot of people uh levy against him is that he's like 
very polished and who knows how much upside he has. And well, I mean, that's something that people said about Luca and I think was silly. I don't know that like there's a lot of skill upside with Garuba. Nonetheless, he's like a pretty good player playing in Euro, even starting for a very good team. At, well, I mean, not, not starting anymore, but, but like, um, playing, playing minutes for a, a really good team. Uh, that's pretty impressive as a 17 year old. Yeah, yeah Garuba's just kind of like, sorry, Ben, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, no, I want to say someone probably a little higher on Garuba. I mean, I just buy his defensive upside so much. Like Max talked about, that mobility is really, really incredible. I mean, he he's so good hedging. He can guard every guard in every pick and roll context. He can hedge, he can switch, he can drop. I mean, just like the level of positioning he shows at his age is kind of insane. I think it was in one of the games I watched, maybe versus Asphalt, which is – uh, Tail Maladon's team. He had a play where he like rotated to cover a backdoor cut, and then like the guy pump faked and passed. He didn't didn't jump and just flipped his hips like like that and turned to contest the guy who he originally peeled off of. And I just think that level of defense is just really really incredible. And I buy that a lot. And along with the offense, I mean, just super. He's gonna be a awesome an awesome play finisher. I I really do buy the passing, and I think. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of in on the handle as well, and even though the the free throw is really really poor in Euroleague, I think it's around like 50 percent, really bad. But I mean, at least from what I've seen in Euroleague and in FIBA, I mean the touch seems quite good, and in ANGT too, he was just super dominant at that level as well. I mean, when he's played against guys his 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 same age, he's just been absolutely dominant, and he's more than holding his own against grown grown men in the best league in the world. So. I, I tend to be more more bullish on Garuba, but I definitely see, like, as we talked about with Scotty Barnes, just probably not having that high-end upside and doesn't warrant that, like, top three-ish selection in this class. Yeah, he's, uh, he's like, a legitimately incredible defender. Um, his, like, short area quickness is absolutely through the roof. You don't see guys like him that you, – you don't see guys that size move like him. Um, I'm – with you, Ben, I really do buy the passing. I think, like, if you get him in short roll scenarios, I think he can pick apart teams. Um, he's obviously not, like, a Draymond-level passer or anything like that, but I think he's going to be definitely an above-average passer for a big. Um, the finishing is really good. He's getting more comfortable taking threes, it appears. Like, he took a handful of threes this year that were, like, no hesitation shots, which is good to see. I don't think he'll ever be somebody you have to guard out there, but I do think he'll – be somebody that can make those, at, you know, at least a decent clip um, eventually. So, yeah, I, I agree about the upside and having him behind some of these guys. And I think the skill development has been at least somewhat disappointing over the last few years. Uh, but just, like, defensively, he's unbelievably dominant. He's been somebody that like, – I think he won U16 MVP as, like, a 13-year-old for FIBA. And he's been, like, in the spotlight for a really long time. And – it's cool to see somebody that has been like the next big thing in Europe for a long time, continually be so dominant defensively with like no lapses. Yeah. And he does seem to like keep dominating every time that he plays against uh, like his peers. Like I know in, in that ANGD, ANGT tournament where he was like totally like, just crazy dominant as a rim protector, he and a Marcelo were, were on the same team and it was very, very unfair um, for like, like you just couldn't shoot inside the paint um 
but he he played against uh against Denny with with Maccabi and like really dominated Denny like kicked the crap out of him and was by far the best prospect in that game and I think that that does matter to an extent um I th- I'd be pretty surprised if Garuba's not a good player uh and he he could be I think like a very very good player who also generates his impact in a way that um doesn't take possessions which I think is is a really useful thing to have uh just like just someone who should fit into a team context pretty nicely but similar to Scotty I when there are guys that really have like total franchise changing upside I think it's hard to get totally in on him but I he's he's an exciting prospect nonetheless yeah it's a shame because we'd probably like I don't know I'd probably have Garuba either number one this 2020 class or very in the contention thing so kind of an unlucky draw for him but yeah, I mean, like, how I would you guys, he, how would you guys compare him to like Onyeka Kongru, for example? I buy the I, quite a bit more than Onyeka, even though Onyeka's yeah, quite good I, defense. But I think he's, I think Garuba's on another level defensively, and just the passing that Onyeka just does not have. Mm-hmm. I, I think with Onyeka, I mean, you want to say um, the shooting projection is kind of what separates them, I guess. But I, I, I don't know. I. I uh, Garuba's a completely different tier prospect for me than Onyeka is. Yeah, like I think Onyeka is better, is a better scorer for sure and projects as a much better scorer, but Garuba is probably better at literally everything else. Like the when we talked about Onyeka in, in, in pretty good detail on episode two with Jackson Frank, like the one of the big concerns was does he have that feel? Does he have that high level intelligence look? Um, and I don't think that's a question at all with Garuba. Like he definitely has that. Uh, it's just a matter of, I think, like turning himself into an offensive threat. Like, I think he, he, he'll never be a guy that, that like totally bogs you down on account of, of the passing and decision-making, but, uh, you know, can he be a guy who adds value there on top of his high level defensive impact? Yeah. And for non-star bigs, it's really like, like, like we alluded to with Garuba about adding impact without usage. And Gruba's clearly the guy over Onyeka who's going to be able to do that more effectively in, in the NBA. So he's also young too. Like he's oh yeah, he's super young. No. Yeah, so yeah, that he's... as well. Also, I mean, this is completely just a guess, but um, he's kind of in like that weirdo range that like Clark and mainly Clark was. Where like, is he going to be like a good enough spacer to be a four or like? offensive question so he's somebody I can maybe see dropping a little bit during draft time and just being like a huge steal for somebody once again the prep to pro NBA draft podcast is sponsored by LinkedIn jobs find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn jobs you can pay what you want and get the first $50 off just visit linkedin.com slash team again that's linkedin.com slash team to get $50 off your first job post terms and conditions apply um Beyond the the top guys in this class, I mean there are there are a few sleeper types that I know um, we're interested in. Uh, Ross, do you want to do? Hmm, do you want to give your Henry Coleman uh, uh, analysis first, since Ben and I don't even know who he is, <laughs> or Ben Ben knows yeah, who he is. Um, I, I don't know who he is. Coleman is kind of honestly like not terribly dissimilar from Garuba in terms of like is he a four like or is but he, he's a little lower like he could potentially be a three but he's 
he's got like the weirdo movement Garuba does, if that makes sense to you guys, where he kind of looks like he's um, like a little robotic, but he just gets everywhere super fast. Um, so he, he, and he also was just like extremely dominant in uh, Adidas last summer, was one of the best statistical players in Adidas last summer, and he's also really young, won't turn, um, won't turn 18 until like mid-May, I think it might be, so really young player in the class. Um, the shooting is kind of weird. It's like a flat shot uh, with questionable touch, but he's always been a consistent like low to mid-70s free throw shooter, so you kind of like buy in on it with that. And then he's just like a physical freak. He's, I don't have exact measurements, but he's probably about like six seven. Wingspan looks around like seven foot ish. And then um, honestly, I'd guess probably like two thirty. Like he's a freaking tank, just super physical, and he uses it really well. So um, with him, he's only somebody I've seen three or four times. I think it's been, but just like. He's kind of a statistical darling to me. He was just incredibly dominant um, in Adidas last summer, which was kind of down as a whole with the league. But um, somebody putting up, like, the numbers that he did, I think he was averaging, like, 23-10 and 10 per 36, um, about a one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. The decision-making is fine, but it's certainly not um, – it certainly doesn't, like, pop off the screen as good or bad. And then defensively, just – like extremely good. He absolutely locked up Keon Johnson in a game as somebody who probably had like 50 pounds on Keon. He was able to move with him really well. I think he was pretty close to two steals and blocks like per 36 throughout Adidas. So he's just consistently productive on both ends of the floor. And that coupled with his age, he's kind of just like somebody who statistical wise is can be viewed as a sleeper with like just the weirdo upside that those guys kind of have. Yeah, and so Coleman is is headed to to Duke, and uh, we have another uh, one of his future teammates as as another guy worth talking about in DJ Stewart, who's like a six four combo who just has like a pretty ridiculous pull up game, some impressive change of direction, and like a like a wild Tyrese Maxey esque runner game. Um, do you like do you view uh, both of these guys as as single-year guys or, or multi-year guys at Duke? I think Coleman will probably be multi just because I think there's a decent chance he'll be stuck behind. Is White a junior or is he a senior? Do you know? Um, I think he's a junior, honestly. I could be wrong. I'm about to check real quick, sorry. Um, But I, I think he'll obviously be behind Jalen Johnson during a lot of yeah. the minutes and then there's potential for Breakfield to play over him. And even um, if Wendell Moore ends up being back, or who knows what will happen with her. So I think there's a decent chance he will probably be a multi-year guy. But I think Stewart has a chance to be one year. I know that he was – I think he was first round for um, ESPN did like a, a single 2021 mock draft. And I think they might have had Stewart first round even. So he's gotten like – and he's from Whitney Young, obviously, which has a big name behind it. So he's gotten some mainstream buzz. Um, so I think Stewart definitely has a better chance to be one and done. Yeah, and I mean, you, Ben, did you want to talk about Breakfield? Because I know you, yeah. you were pretty intrigued with him. He plays with uh, Jalen Johnson and uh, also, yeah, also Patrick Baldwin, a uh, highly recruited future guy, and um, Reese Beekman on on Phenom U. Uh, do you want to you want to make the case for him? 
yeah, so I'm definitely excited to see Jamin Brayfield, another Duke guy. Um, I just love him as this 6'8", versatile offensive wing. I mean, he's like I like his handle a lot. Um, he's He can pass the ball pretty well. He's notably really ambidextrous as a passer and a finisher. I mean, he is a lefty, naturally pretty smooth lefty jumper. Um, a, a little low, but the jumper is smooth. And he flashes like live dribble scoop passes with both hands and really impressive contested finishes also with both hands and just I mean he has some nutty open floor moments as an athlete he's kind of, he's not the greatest in short spaces but in the open floor I mean he can really really rise and I mean I'm kind of I'm still he's not a guy I've seen a ton of um his team defense there's definitely been some moments of really good recognition making some great rotations and big plays but there's also been some moments of some maybe later rotations and not being there. So I do have to watch a bit more of him. I will say, like like like, like Max said, he played on a really stacked um, UFBL team with Jalen Johnson, Patrick Baldwin, Reese Beekman as well, uh, uh, Virginia commit. And at Huntington, um, his, his, high school, his high school team, I do wish he was a little more dominant, at least in the games I've seen. But he's a guy who I need to see more of, but someone who I'm tentatively kind of intrigued on, intrigued in as like a mid-top 20 guy maybe at this point. So... And I, I, I don't know where Ross you are on it. So. Yeah, I like Brakefield a lot. I think you can make an argument for stretches on that Phenom U team. He was their best player. I mean, he was extremely consistent um, offensively, and that was while his shot wasn't really falling last summer. It's been a lot better this uh, winter. Um, so I think that he's definitely underrated. I think the two main drawbacks with him are He's really old. Uh, I think he's got a December 2000th birthday, so he's really old. And then also just consistency. He doesn't always bring it, especially defensively, consistently. Um, so that'll be something to kind of track going forward. But like you said, really, like, I think he's legit ambidextrous. Um, the shot is really good. He has awesome touch. And I think, like, he's kind of tabbed as, like, a four on most places, but I think he's pretty clearly a three. Um, I don't know what yeah. you think about that, Ben. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, so just I think the offensive upside. And, and, and the thing with him, too, he's just a really opportunistic scorer, and you can see that with Phenom around stars. He's a really awesome cutter, crashes the boards really well, um, pretty good relocator on jump shots, catch-and-shoot guy. So he's everything he does offensively is pretty quick decision-based. Um, so I do think he definitely considered one of the uh, more underrated players in the class. Yeah, I don't have a great feel for him, especially offensively. I He really did always seem to be rotating a step slow to me. Uh, so I, I was not wild about the defense, but definitely someone I need to, to take a close a closer look at. But um, another guy in that, on that Phenom U team that we've both mentioned a couple – Ben and I have both mentioned a couple times is um, Reese Beekman, a guard headed to Virginia. And I think we probably have, have more of a consensus on him that he's a really interesting prospect. Uh, like the major drawback, of course, is that he's got like a really slow and inconsistent shot process. But um, yeah, he's he's like an impressive uh, defender on and off the ball uh, and has some really nice passing flashes, uh, like pretty good size and length. Um, yeah, he's he's someone to watch for sure, I think. Yeah, he uh, I think it was it was sometime last summer I. Because the point guard position, like, after Cade, and depending on what you feel about, like, Springer and Suggs, is pretty wide open in this class. Um, obviously, Sharif has a ton of fans. 
But um, I, I think you can make a legitimate argument that Beekman might be the best non-point uh, guard out of that top group. Um, but he's just he's just so good. Like, he's so smart. He's clearly going to be an awesome player at Virginia. I do worry that he's not a one-and-done just because Clark is back. Um, obviously, Hauser is coming in as a wing, and I'm just curious to see if Bennett plays him as much as he maybe should. Um, but also, too, like, he was in the City of Palms tournament. Did you watch those games, Max? Uh, I think them? I saw one of his City of Palms games. Okay. Um, and something, something that popped off the screen was that, because his usage was obviously a lot higher in high school than on that Phenom team, is he's, like, insanely quick. He gets basically where he, where he wants in the half court. His first step is really, really impressive. Um, he moves well. He's gets really low to the ground and is pretty flexible from waist down. So he's, he, like, shocked me with how quick he was. I don't know if I just missed it the first time or if it was just easier to see uh, in a higher usage role. But um, I do agree with the shot. It's, it's like a pretty low release, and it's almost like a line drive. So I worry about, like, the range on it. But I, I think the touch is there. He's just going to need to, like, tweak mechanics and get stronger. I think strength is going to be a big deal for him. But, yeah, I, I really like Beekman. Yeah, that's an interesting point you made about his quickness because I haven't seen any of his high school games, and he, that never popped to me in with Phenom. But, yeah, I mean, it, at least for him, Breakfield, these guys, it's really interesting to see how these guys on the stacked UIBL teams translate as more primary guys on their on – their, um, their their high school teams and i'll talk about one more guy who i know that all of us are pretty in on um and that's moses moody um kind of two guard uh montverd um he's just an awesome awesome shooter at his size i think he's pretty big he's like six 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 seven pretty strong as well pretty awesome shooting versatility in general really nice touch and he shows quite a bit of ancillary skills as well i mean he can pass the ball he can he can dribble a little bit. He's pretty athletic. So this is like a really, really excellent complimentary guy. Um just with his shooting and his size are pretty rare. And that I'm pretty sure all of us are pretty in on at this point. Yeah, I love Moody also. Um probably probably not like a lead guard type, but like you said, awesome shooter. Uh he's smart. He's like big, long. Um I think he's really, really good. Uh, like I think one of the more underrated guys in the class. Um, I, I I have not I haven't watched him in a while, I, so I don't remember him that well. Um, but I don't know, Ross. Do you do you, do you, you want to like get into more of the details of Moody's game beyond just he's awesome? Yeah, I think uh, I think I might have him like back in Lotto. Honestly, at, yeah, at that's, very that's my head, yeah, like, top twenty as well. Yeah, so he um. He was a lot more on ball for Brad Beal, the lead mm-hmm. during the summer, which was yeah. good to see. Uh, I think I think he's like pegged as like a true three and D prospect, which moving forward he probably will be. But like he's somebody if you run him off the line, he can easily create. Like he's not he's not just like oh run him off the line and he just got to swing it real quick. He's he's capable with the ball in his hands for sure. Um, and defensively, like you guys said, really good. That's another thing with this class. There's a lot of, like, really good physical tools. He's, I think, 6'6 with, like, a 7'1 wingspan. Cade has an over-7-foot wingspan. Um, like, a lot of the guards are really strong, athletic. It's a really good, like, physical class as well. So, um, that's something that is nice to see. But, yeah, I think Moody – I mean, that Arkansas class in general, Max, I know you watched K.K. Robinson last night. Yeah, and then yeah. I did as they, well. Uh, yeah, yeah. They have a um, 
center coming in from uh, – he played for Woods Elite in the YBL. He's arguably one of the – maybe like a top five big in the class, uh, in the high school senior class. But that Arkansas class – Arkansas team is going to be really fun to watch next year. Yeah, I mean, Ross mentioned uh, K.K. Robinson. He's like a mini, tiny, tiny six-foot uh, <laughs> on a good day uh, guard going to Arkansas. He's just like really quick, awesome passer, and like pretty ridiculous shooter. Um, yeah, he's super fun. I would be pretty shocked if he's if he's a one year guy, but should be an awesome college player, and eventually I don't know, at least get a shot in the league. Um, but yeah, that Arkansas team is going to be pretty awesome, regardless of whether like Isaiah Joe and and Mason Jones come back, and um, they'll be pretty damn fun if if those guys are back. Um, let's see. Or, or I mean, is there anyone else among these like sleeper type guys that that you guys wanted to bring up? Yeah, I mean Ross, like Ross talked about. Um, outside of like the real top ones, there aren't really. There's like a pretty wide open group, and there were a, there were two guys that I think we still talk about. And the first one is Caleb Love, who I know is trending up for a lot of people because he's just like this absolutely wild offensive player such a great space creator i mean with his handle getting to his jumper really quick trigger on his pull up i mean pretty good passer as well getting on a hill and taking advantage of his gravity i mean Caleb loves really a pretty impressive scorer and i think he's probably got a ceiling that warrants consideration in like maybe like top 10 ish range i don't know what you think about that yeah, I think I probably have him top ten at this point. Yeah, I mean he's just really, really good offensively, and he's fun to watch. So, yeah, I've seen sure. Love. Uh, I, I mean, I was just gonna say I've only seen him one time. Uh, it was pretty impressive. Like some of the space creation stuff was was wild, and his stats are really good. But I, you and Ross have a much more informed take on him than I do. Yeah, it's just like. The space creation and then just the range on his jumper is pretty, like, unmatched in this class. Um, just, like, from, like, an offensive, like, engine scoring type ceiling, not a lot of people uh, can match him in this class. Um, a lot of the stuff he does, and this is absolutely not a comparison, like, talent-wise, but um, he uses, like, a lot of the same moves Dame does um, for space creation, and then he has, like, a real low like quick trigger shot too and he's also somebody i think his wingspan is like six was measured like six nine and he's like six two or six three so he's another person with like really good physical tools i do think his finishing needs to take a big step forward but um everything that like needs to be there for that is kind of there it's just like a matter of consistency with him yeah and caleb love is going to be at north carolina next year so they should be more fun to watch than the train wreck they were this season with a couple <laughs> um recruits and so yeah that's Caleb Love the other guy I wanted to talk about in that point guard group is Dyson Nix um UCLA commit um he's he's just like kind of he's pretty interesting in that he's he's massive he's like 6'5 kind of built like a truck really strong and he's a pretty awesome passer like he, he he's got live dribble reads with both hands. Um, when he drives, skips to skips to either corner. Just sees and makes really tough passes, and also pretty good on defense. I mean, he's engaged. He's strong at the point of attack. Makes rotations as a weak side guy. But the issues with him are one, he's not very quick. 
Um, he's, he's really big, so he makes up for that with his strength and gets to the line a lot, but his handle's not great. It's kind of loose, and it's not very deceptive, and he's really not super quick either. And the shot um, is an issue. I talked I, I talked with Ross and Tiams last night because he really doesn't have stats anywhere. He didn't play at any on any of the shoe circuits. He you know, plays at Trinity Prep this year in Nevada, but he didn't play on any of the shoe circuits. doesn't really have any numbers outside of his freshman year of high school, which aren't very useful. So the shot is something I'm going to be interested in seeing um, how that develops at UCLA. But this has like a really good passer for a guy his frame and someone who's going to play defense. Uh, probably not as high upside as obviously nowhere near the upside of a guy like Caleb Love, but a guy I'm interested in in tracking going forward in that in that range. Generally. Yeah, he's actually he's from Alaska, so that's that's why like he didn't play for like shoe circuits at all, and then like recently within the last few years moved to play high school not in Alaska. Um but he he's definitely like he's one of the more ambitious passers I've seen recently. Uh he'll just make like passes that literally blow you away. Um but I have not actually watched his senior year. I watched junior year games but I haven't seen him as recently as Ben has. Yeah, I've never seen him. Uh sounds pretty interesting though. Um are there any other twenty twenty one uh, either uh, sleeper guys or, or, I mean, even guys at the top that you guys think that we really miss before we move into some guys who've just, like, popped for us recently? I suppose the only um, guy oh, we missed is really we, – we didn't talk about Zaire Williams at all, and I feel like we should at least give him a mention. Yeah, he's, we didn't talk about Mobley either. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about I'll, I'll talk about Williams quickly. He's 6'8", rail thin, 6'8", 6'9", but just a nutty shot maker, like 88% from the line in EYBL, like, just – just is a ridiculous pull-up shot maker for his size and he's got a lot of a lot of issues mainly the frame he's so rail thin worse than bj boston probably considering he's oh, not yeah, that definitely, definitely yeah, worse. yeah he's he's not physical like him and his handle is it's okay but it's kind of loose his passing i mean he flashes some abilities to do it but he's not great defensively like I said like the frame holds him back but just a guy with that level of shot making i mean for his size he's easily one of the best shot makers in this class and just the guy who is someone you got to probably consider in that top top 10 range just because that shot making leading to high end out high end outcomes with him so yeah the shot making is like legitimately pretty special for him and on top of that he does seem to have some ancillary skills like he he can dribble enough i think he can pass enough uh I don't I don't buy him as like a like an initiator or anything, but um yeah, I mean the shot making is is like really outlier ridiculous to the point where I think it there's like the floor on how low you could rank him is pretty high just because I think you like don't you don't see guys who can make shots like that at that size. Um I will say too with just to touch on Mobley, um I'm kind of worried that like I might be underrating him just a little bit because he's at a pretty poor relative to like talent and who he is uh, kind of a poor senior year, but I'm a little worried that maybe it's like just boredom because he seemed a little less engaged than recently. And I know that his brother who he played with forever is currently now at uh, USC, but he's like, he has some really like special traits about him. He moves mm-hmm. like a guard. His handle is really good. I know he runs, pick and roll as the handler like a decent amount in high school um incredibly good wingspan like he has like the 
length and reach and height of a center. Obviously, he's really thin. Uh, the main thing with him is he probably will have to shoot because I don't know if he'll be able to consistently play five at the next level. In fact, like, I'm pretty positive he won't be able to. But he has, like, traits along with, like, his passing, too. He's the same way with his brother. I think he's a really, really good passer for his size. So he does have traits that, like, are just wildly impressive. Um, so I'll be curious to kind of see if he's, like, just has more life in him next year at USC. Yeah, it kind of sucks because last year I remember watching Rancho Christian for um, for his older brother, Isaiah Mobley, uh, and they were so fun to watch together. Like they were, they were like one of my favorite high school teams to watch because the two of them are just like they're both brilliant passers and just very, very skilled ball handlers, both at like six eleven. Um, and yeah, the one game I've seen from Evans' senior year was the it was the Sierra Canyon game, and he was just abysmal. Like he was he when he wasn't invisible, he was just getting beasted on the interior. Um, and had like a few, I think, really bad misses. I mean, he, he, as, as he always does, had some, some nice passes for sure, but, uh, it was just a really bad performance that left an incredibly sour taste in my mouth, uh, especially like in contrast to BJ Boston and Zyra Williams on the other team, uh, who had really nice performances. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to get like too caught up in, in like, hating on Mobley because he he does some like insane stuff I think the, the like of course the big differentiator between him and his older brother is that like Isaiah is really groundbound and Evan Mobley like gets off the ground so quickly and is like a very impressive all-around athlete except for the strength um but yeah I mean there are so many guys I think that have like compelling you know initiator upside or creator upside in this class and I think Mobley does have some like very impressive scoring upside but like you mentioned i mean there's there's like this the weird positional fit um like managing to really to really work offensively if he can't shoot i I don't know how viable that is and like he he's he's i think always shown pretty nice touch from the mid-range but but extending out to three has been has been kind of questionable and he'll have some like really bad misses uh so he's someone i'm going to give another chance to because in the past he has been a really good player. Um, but yeah, just like a, a definitely disappointing senior year from what I've seen. Uh, and like relative to the way I think he's talked about as a guy who I think some people still have as like a Cade caliber prospect. I think he just really doesn't live up to that. And that, and like, that's not his fault. Uh, but it's just, I mean, it's still disappointing. Um, I mean, Ross, since you're, you're better informed on this, how was he, uh, after his junior year in um in AAU because I think I, I remember looking at the stats and they, they didn't like pop in the way that these elite guys necessarily do. Yeah, so he was hurt for um okay. a good amount of the summer and but he, he definitely wasn't like super dominant. Um I, I think though he only played like nine or ten games maybe. I know I know he didn't play a ton. Um but, I mean, the block numbers were really impressive, and I think he was, like, above 70% from two. But uh, but he wasn't scoring a ton, and I know the three-point was down in, like, the low 20s in the free throw, although a small, small number of attempts was maybe even in the 50s. But, uh, yeah, he wasn't – he w- definitely wasn't, like, dominating or anything close to that. I mean, he's, he's a really good prospect. Uh, he'd be in contention to go really, really highly uh, in 2020. But 
yeah, I mean, he's a he's a top 10 guy, I think, in 2021. I don't know exactly where, where I fall on him, but um, a little disappointing, at least relative to the hype. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, oh. Ben, should we, should, oh, did, did you want to add something? No? Okay. Well, then, um, uh, so some guys that have, that have just, like, popped us recently watching film – um ben do you want to you want to start with your guys sure i'll do my first guy which is um i'll start with Keontae johnson florida we're moving back to 2020 for the end of this just, just to get a little more currency um i released a board this week i had Keontae 19th which i, I was pro- probably some of the highest that you'll find him and I'm kind of surprised there's not more love for Keontae, at least like in the mainstream. He's this just hyper athletic wing with like super strong, bursty, incredible leaper. I mean, like six five, six six with a really long wingspan. I think it was like seven foot, something close to that. He's just such a good athlete, um, beating guys with the dribble, um, offensive rebounding with his verticality, open four dunks, even like half court dunks and things like that. And one of the reasons I'm as high on him as I am is I'm really encouraged by his skill development and what I, I'm believing in his skill. I think the handle and the passing and the decision-making has really improved throughout, not just from his freshman season, but as his sophomore season has gone on. I mean, I think it was it was the LSU game I watched where he was just consistently, like, picking apart um, the defense with with his passing, just making awesome decisions. And there was, there, there was another game I watched um, recently. I'll find it. It was the um, the Georgia game where I was also pretty impressed with his passing. So I just think Keontae is just an all-around, like, like, like a really good complementary wing with his athleticism, adding more avenues for upside. And like we talked about quite a few times today, um, just being encouraged by his development curve as a guy who I'm pretty in on as, like, a first-round guy. Yeah, I really like Keontae, too. I have him in the first. Um, he's someone I've always liked. I had him pretty high coming into the year. But I agree, he's gotten better. I really just I think he's a really impressive slasher. Like he he is he's incredibly like stocky and built, but he gets low and is explosive. Um and then he just rises up really quickly off of two feet to finish. Um I yeah, I, I think he's also like uh, a really good kick out passer. Um so like his his complimentary offensive game is really strong. Of course the question is where where the shot um ends up being uh i don't know um i'm i'm not like wildly enthusiastic i don't think but he's just a he's a really nice all-around wing uh he's a good player yeah and he's up to like 77 percent from the line this year so pretty good um i'd probably fall on like again like fairly higher end of the shot i'd buy him pretty pretty reasonably high as like at least a spot-up guy which is always gonna need i would say like the one slashing downfall is he's pretty right-hand dominant he doesn't really use his left, but he's so good at like getting to his spots for for reverse finishes, like because he's so long and he uses his length well to get under defenses and finish and gets to a spot where his right hand can work instead of just throwing up a right handed shot on the left side like a lot of right hand dominant finishers will. So, so I'm yeah uh, another high school guy that I think has the potential to be a one and done, especially with Louisville losing some guys to the wings next year is uh, DeAndre Davis. He's consensus ranks around like between like 90 and like 125 for the uh, three major recruiting sites. Um, but I think he's a little underrated just because he doesn't 
shoot a ton of threes currently, although he's for like three or four straight seasons now between AU and high school, he's been in the low 80s um, as a free throw shooter. So it's somebody you definitely bet on to extend range. But he's just a really, really good defender. He can guard basically like one through four. He has a little issues with quicker guys. Um, he's not a great athlete, but he's a good one. He's really strong, about like 6'6", six, six, I would guess around like 200 pounds right now, really strong. Um, but I do think he's one of my favorite one-and-done sleepers uh, with 2021. So he's just somebody definitely to keep an eye out for at Louisville. Yeah, so the the two guys I wanted to mention, one of them I think Ben mentioned last week in Tyshawn Alexander, 6'4", uh, off guard at Creighton. Uh this dude is so good. He um he he is a like pretty dominant defender. Like the way that he locked up Miles Powell um in their game against Seton Hall was like pretty ridiculous. Just like chasing him off screens, making him really really uncomfortable. I don't think that that's something you see happen to Miles Powell very often. Um and he's like a he's a quite a good shooter also, Tyshawn. Um I think the the off-screen numbers were pretty bad, which is a little disappointing. It, it's just a shame that he's not, like, three inches bigger. But uh, he seems like a pretty good bet to be a solid NBA player to me. Um, just, like, a strong guard defender who can shoot. Uh, yeah, I think he even, like, flashes some nice passing and relocation. Uh, he's, he's, he's quite good. And uh, ben, ben was right to mention him because I enjoy him a lot. And then the other one at Creighton is their point guard, Marcus Zagorowski, who uh, I, I think it's a little less clear if he'll come out. Um, but he he's just a like really impressive shooter, very, very balanced. Um, and he's he's not he's not an explosive athlete, but he manipulates his pace really well to get into the defense. And then he has awesome vision, which is like always picking out cutters while he's on the move and stuff like that. He's He's just a really good shooter and really good passer. Uh, I mean, could have a could have a shot to be an NBA backup point guard. Uh, so not like not the most exciting proposition, but uh, but definitely a really fun college player and a guy who could who could make it in the league. Yeah, I know Max and I both talked about this. Um, just like he's not super quick, but the way he like manipulates pace with his handle is really impressive. Like he's super controlled and he's great stop start. He's, he's a great stop start guy getting into the lanes. He's a guy that I'm intrigued by. And I'll say, yeah, Tyson Alexander, I don't have much more to add than I said last week in Max added. He's really fun. Um, a guy who probably won't declare. So I'm excited to watch him again next year. Creighton's going to be really good next year too. And so my last guy was uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who I've been watching a lot of Villanova recently. And he's just, he's just really good, man. Like he's, I'm really impressed with him defensively because he's so smart. I mean, despite not being, the issue, I guess he's kind of like, maybe you could argue he's a tweener in the long way, like 6'9", not, not the longest, what position does he guard, but he's so smart on defense, and he's he's a really impressive mover too, Um, like he shows some aptitude, like sliding with smaller players, like bl- blocking their shots with the primary, and it's really jarring when you compare his movement to a guy like Sadiq Bey, who can't really move, and a guy that I know Max and I aren't really enthused by despite being kind of a draft Twitter darling. And like Robinson Earl is just, I definitely think he's a better prospect than they, I mean, such a good defender offensively. He just feels like such a perfect complimentary guy. I mean, really smart uh, ball moving kind of passer, great decision maker. 
Um, I, I like his finishing quite a bit. He's pretty patient on the interior, waiting for spots to open up. And he plays a lot of, like, five on offense, too, which is not his role. So I'm excited to see where he falls in the NBA eventually. And the, the shot, I think he probably is going to shoot spot up. So this is, like, like if we're talking about, like, Bay versus Robinson Earl's complimentary guys, I definitely want Robinson Earl over Sadiq Bay. So. Yeah, I've always been a huge JRE guy. I think he's disappointed a little bit for me just because I was I was too high on him, frankly, coming into the year. Yeah. I had him like lottery or something. Uh I, I mean I've still got him in the like I think on the fringe of the twenties. Um he's just a really well rounded player. He's like you said, really mobile. Um like his technique moving is really good. Uh he is, I think at this stage, fairly jumpy and like susceptible to to uh hesitations and like change of pace. But um, the technique is there. Uh, he's really intelligent. It's a shame that he doesn't have like length or leaping ability because he just like can't impact shots at the rim that much. But being there in the first place, I mean, you see that from someone like Nikola Jokic, like being there in the first place matters a lot. Um, and so I think that that he should be a pretty valuable defensive player. And then offensively, he's a really good ball handler. Uh, he's an intelligent passer. And I think the shot is going to be really quite good. Like he didn't shoot threes at a super high percentage this year, but he did take them and he's an 82% free throw shooter as a six, nine freshman. It's a guy with like really exceptional touch. Um, I think, I think he's going to be a really good player. Just like, um, you know, not, not a star by any, by, by any means, but, but just a guy who like fits into your lineups and makes you better in, in a lot of different ways. And that's just a, like a, a nice, like easy team building piece to have. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm a huge JRE fan and agree with you entirely that uh, I like him a lot better than Sadiq Bay. Um, I feel like I was like, I was going to say, I feel like I was like the main uh, JRE skeptic going into yeah. the year. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I also wanted to um, just running back to 2021 real quick, wanted to, uh, bring up because I know you talked about the international class as a whole is definitely down and that's true uh but there's there's one player his name's uh actually you guys might have seen him I think Ben you might have seen him for sure uh Boris Tizma who is Croatian he played uh in the U18s two years ago maybe he played in AGT also uh he is somebody that I think is kind of becoming a little underrated he might not even declare by 2001 just because he's a little physically under by 2021 I'm sorry just because he's a little physically underdeveloped but um he has played minutes for the main Real Madrid club this year one of like the younger players to ever do that I think he might have even started the game at one point uh he made his debut and he was still 17 like earlier in the season which is really impressive in itself but he's like a legit 6'9 in shoes really 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 skilled player really good touch and shot He's kind of similar to Servetus from last year, but I think he's just overall better than him. Um, so he's another guy that I really like. Uh, and then the last one is Caleb Murphy going to South Florida. He is he played um, for the Atlanta Celtics in Adidas last summer with uh, Dwan Odom and Davion Smith, who were both top 60-ish commits. Um, and he was pretty clearly their best player. Uh, he's really, really, really good horizontally, like extremely good first step, really shifty and bendy, really good handle. He's one of those guys that is kind of like a combo guard, though, at only like 6'3 or 6'4, and that's 
the main reason I feel he's been underlooked. So he's also somebody that on a team like USF where he's probably going to be able to walk in and be pretty high usage could have maybe a breakout year where he could be one and done. All right. Um, I think that's all we've got for today. Unless there's anything on Max or Ross you'd like to add any final thoughts? Nope. I, I, I don't have, have anyone else to mention. I think we cover a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Ross, is there anything you want to, uh, to plug? Um, this is non-draft related, but I think I'm doing like my own top 20-ish or so uh, team recruiting rankings. So it'll have a lot of these guys we just talked about included. But other than that, I don't think I'm currently working on anything. Although I probably should since, you know, I'm just sitting in my <laughs> house on yeah. it. Will that be on the, on the Stepien? Um, maybe. It's either going to be on the Stepien or I might do it on Medium. It's okay. just too determined right now, but I'll, I'll tweet it out at some point. Okay. And uh, and people can follow you. It's Ross underscore Homan1? Yes. Okay, perfect. All right, so, and as always – Make sure to rate the Preps Pro Podcast, subscribe, leave nice reviews. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. And follow the Preps Pro account on Twitter. That is prep number two pro pod. You can follow me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. You can follow Max at Max A. Carlin. And have a great day. Um, stay safe out there. And we'll see you later.